This is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And, of course, you can bring up absolutely anything that's on your mind tonight with you in the studio. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. Of course, phones are open. Take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Uh, on the way here, we're going to start out with uh, some animal-related news, which we don't get very often. Uh, Nikki, you've got something a little closer to home, somewhere in the United States, I believe. I've got something about Russian cats. And, of course, phones are open. You can bring up anything. We'll get the latest on the Russia-Ukraine situation, which continues to be absolutely insane, with apparently now one-third of Americans saying they really, they're willing to risk nuclear war over Ukraine. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> How many one-third? That's according to a headline, at least, uh, over at the Drudge Report. Hmm. So, Nikki, what do you got? Uh, maybe, I don't know, is this a feel-good story about dogs? Yeah. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, so... In- some good news. Yeah. Incarcerated men get second chance at life by training dogs for adoption. Atlanta nonprofit. Canine Cellmates expands its dog training program for incarcerated men uh, to include a sentencing alternative, training dogs for adoption. So instead of finishing their jail sentence, they'll be able to work with canine cellmates and train some dogs to help them get adopted, and then they can avoid being in jail, which sounds like a win-win to me. Sounds to me like it's more obviously forced labor and slavery. Yeah. Well, if it gets you out of prison sooner rather than later, I mean, I'm, I don't care. Because normally when you're in jail, a lot of times you are you're sentenced working, to yeah. hard labor. Uh, that's that's actually part of the sentence. Mm-hmm. And so if you can knock some time off for doing that work, then that's I, better. I'm just saying, like, it, it's more obvious than sitting in a jail cell and then working in the kitchen. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, just no, as I bad do. as jail. Yeah, I do get your point, though. It is kind of just like... They they play it off as volunteer work. work, but yeah. it's it is kind of yeah. So the dogs are already in the jail. I'm not real clear. How does this? No, work? No, I think I think they're just collaborating mm-hmm. with the this nonprofit organization, and they pick out inmates that might be like not you, abusive. Yeah, yeah, good. like you know, low level offenders, people mm-hmm. that probably don't even belong in jail, like right. people involved with nonviolent crimes. So. The story goes on to say, when Atlanta resident Ray Keith started training a mixed-breed puppy named Rio, the former stray didn't even know the cue sit. But Keith, 25, used positive reinforcement techniques like treat rewards to teach teach Rio just sit, but loose-leash walking and skills like stay, come, wait, down, watch me, and crate. Thanks to that training, Rio got adopted into a loving forever home. Hmm. Oh, I thought they were training police dogs. Oh, no, no, no. No, oh, they're like training strays uh, for adoption. That would make it even worse. Yeah, too. that would like, be really yeah, bad. Training no. dogs to be bad, bad dogs. I was kind of sad to see him go, but I was proud, Keith told today. I've been working with him every day for 90 days. So that was my buddy. I'm happy for him. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, honestly, <laughs> to to actually have the ability to see a dog while you're in a jail cell. Oh, way better uh, than being in jail. I mean, yeah. I, it, are they letting him out of the jail yeah, to go so it somewhere seems, for this? It seems like they're probably... It didn't specifically say in this story, but it seems like they were letting them 
live in maybe like some sort of like group home or oh, like a halfway like, house. Yeah, like a halfway house type of uh, thing. So okay. it seemed like they were actually getting out of jail hmm. and working with these dogs. Yeah, it didn't sound like they're putting the dogs in the cell with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You couldn't do you couldn't do much as far as training yeah. in an eight by six cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely couldn't do loose leash walking. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's funny how this article says the mixed uh breed stray didn't even know the command sit and neither did coconut before he met ian just because mm-hmm. he was so willful he didn't want to listen to me yeah so keith participates in beyond the bars a new rehabilitative program from canine cellmates since 2013 the nonprofit has invited inmates at fulton county jail to learn to train shelter dogs for adoption in a 10-week program the dogs get 24-7 socialization and training from the men in a special dormitory for trainers who can learn a valuable life skill as well. Hmm. Later that year, the nonprofit created the Beyond the Bars program, a sentencing alternative that keeps men out of jail. Instead of being incarcerated or proceeding further through the legal system, per- participants commit to training shelter dogs for a year at the new Canine Cellmates facility leased with a grant from the nonprofit Best Friends Animal Society. Yeah, I mean, who would say no to this unless you really don't like animals yeah. and you know don't belong around them? But this sounds like a really great opportunity, and I'm glad to hear that there are programs that exist to do something to intervene between you know going to a prison cell and other- otherwise being a productive yeah. person. I mean, it's still, obviously, they're still under coercion. They don't have many choices, but given- yeah, it's like I was selling weed and liking my life living in my own apartment, but these people gave me the chance to either stay in a jail cell or go train these dogs. I guess I'm going to do that. Like, that's how I feel about it. I feel yeah. like it's still pretty awful, but better than sitting in a jail cell. Yeah, yeah I'd choose it if I was them. It's a no brainer. I mean, to to choose this route for sure. Uh, so, I mean, good on them. And it's nice that it's not government funded. It's oh, really? from, yeah, yeah, it's from a, um, they just. What was the grant? Said uh, the nonprofit Best Friends Animal Society. Hmm. So it sounds like donation based. Amazing. Best Friends, they do, uh, they'll help you get your dog fixed too for free if you oh. don't make too much money. Huh. So Useful. is that, I've never heard of this before. Is that like a popular organization? I just know I was looking into it for my dog, but I made literally like $100 too much a year to get coconut <laughs> fixed so for free. It was really mm. annoying. I was yeah. like, ugh. Yeah, so this story is from Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm, I've never heard of a program like this. Me so I'm thinking it's the only one, but. I mean, I think it's great to help people yeah. avoid jail time. And it, it, it does suck that they're in jail in the first place because I'm guessing if they're eligible for this program, it's a nonviolent crime and they probably so. don't belong in jail in the first place. Yeah, that was going to be my question. I don't know if they get into any of the details as far as what are the qualifications? How do they determine whether someone is or is not uh, acceptable to even be offered this program, and I would it's think it's got to be nonviolent because I mean yeah. you don't want them being violent against the dog. Obviously, and there's a ton of people in jail who are nonviolent. Uh, I remember when I was in jail a decade ago for civil disobedience, I had a an encounter with the superintendent, who is actually a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which is unusual. Most members of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which they've changed their name since, now they're Law Enforcement Action Partnership because they're just they're still against prohibition but they're also now speaking out against police militarization and other things that oh we, wow we would agree i didn't with. know that was a thing Me yeah know. they're That's really cool. actually a pretty great organization all thing you know they're still cops but, but. they're they're like the, the least bad 
uh, of them out there. But most of them are former. Most of them are retired cops who kind of came to the light, if you will, after they retired. But one of the, the key differences with this guy was he's actually was, he's now retired, but at the time he was the superintendent of the jail here in Cheshire County. And I'd already had a relationship with him because I'd seen him testify at multiple state house hearings. So like whenever there was a bill to lower the penalties for drug possession or anything, he would actually take his own personal, he'd like to take a day off, he'd take a personal day and would travel up to the state house and testify in favor of drug decriminalization and drug legalization. So this guy was actually pretty decent, all things considered. Like he wasn't, as far as jail superintendents or jail wardens were concerned, he's probably the, the least bad of them and uh, did a lot of good work. And so I, I, he just happened to come through the cell block I was on and I said, well, how many of the people in, the, in your jail do you think shouldn't be here? And he said 40% at least. Wow. Yeah, and that's just... You know, he's there every day and he knows the kind of things that people are arrested for. And by and large, it's things like possession of uh, of drugs or driving while license suspended. You'd be surprised how many people get you know, what they call up here. It's called habitual offender status, where they they arrest you more than once for just trying to go to work or something like that. The guy yeah. I washed dishes with was in jail for a year because he was trying to go to work. He wasn't drunk and driving. The guy that got drunk driving was only in there for 21 days. Mm, But the guy that was driving to work just to feed his family on a quote-unquote habitual offender, he got an instant one-year sentence for that. Uh, There's more coming up here, 603-283-6160. Well, they're also targeting Russian cats, so that was the good news. And we'll give you some bad news with that coming up. Free Talk Live, and the phones are open here if you want to join us. You can. 603-283-6160 is the number. That's 603-283-6160. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. If you are ready to start learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, well, they can help you over at Bitcoin.com. Just click Get Started right there at the top of the page, and that will assist you in learning the basics about cryptocurrency what's decentralization all about why is it so important uh what about blockchain technology can you learn the basics about that yes you can you just have to take some time to do it Uh, there is a little bit of a learning curve but it's worth it to learn about this new technology that is changing the face of finance and the i mean almost the social order at this point it's been an incredible journey so far and it's not too late for you to start learning about it just go to bitcoin.com click get started at the top of the page and if you want to get the latest news headlines anytime just go to news.bitcoin.com they've got them there waiting for you that's news.bitcoin.com let's go to your phone calls and thoughts we'll start out here with steven in north georgia you're on free talk live with ian bonnie and nikki Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to bring some clarification to what you were talking about a minute ago. Um, yes, I don't think that you were intentionally um, misrepresenting it because I think that you are pretty honest about the fact that this is just an article you read. But um, the places that are doing the dog stuff in Georgia is like DeKalb County, Fulton County, Gwinnett County, Forsyth County, like the metro Atlanta area. Um, and you are 100% an inmate there. Um and it is only for people that have no felonies because in Georgia, 
Um, and I assume everywhere else, if you have a felony, you have to go to like legit prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Georgia, it's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but it's commonplace to be sentenced to five, six years in county jail time. Wow. And really? So um, if you have five or six misdemeanors, sure, why not? Oh, um, wow. If you have 10 misdemeanors, right, and you do six months apiece, that's five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can give you good time if you work. And so what they're doing with this dog stuff is they're giving you good time. So you're getting three for one, maybe four for one. Um, but it's 100% you are an inmate there. It does tend to be a bigger thing in the private jails. Um, it does tend to be um, one of those things for, you know, younger guys or older guys. Uh, so just to facility. clarify, when you say they're giving out good time, that this is just basically jail work. So it's just one of the myriad of things that, so like if they told you to work in the kitchen and you worked in the kitchen, you'd get good time for that. So this is no different from that is what you're saying? This, this is um, no different. Now they mm-hmm. might give you more good time. They might get you less. But in Georgia, they have to incentivize you for working, mm-hmm. but they don't have to pay you. So right. they can go, hey, we're going to give, we're going to give you early, early release called good time yeah so um, in georgia are they training the dogs to become police dogs or is it like this story that nikki had where they're just training the dogs to be able to be adopted it depends on the facility i don't think any of the facilities are doing um police dogs i haven't mm. heard anything about that no, the, you, you i would, hope not no you would need to be a certified trainer yeah. in order to train probably need somebody to be a police, police guy right you'd have police to be guy. police certified in some sort of way they're not just going to let somebody who isn't getting paid top dollar from the police departments to train yeah. a police dog but that's kind of what i thought yeah. with this story that i didn't really think they were getting paid i thought it was more like what the caller said good time where but it was unclear in the the sto- the article from the today show where whether they were still going to be in jail or whether it was like some sort of hel- halfway house sort of deal so the big allure to these to these what they call trustee programs is it's what's called a duck button door room so like when i was being housed the majority of the time um i was in a room where you didn't go out so the guard wanted you out. But in these other programs, like where you have to kind of prove that you're going to obey the rules and do what they want and listen to the, the master, um, when you do those things, they put you in a room with a button, and it's basically like you get to decide when you come out. Huh. Um, and so that's when one you of the say come out, do you mean come out into a day room, into into yeah. a population room? Come out to a day room. Um, you get more time to like go on the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, they tend to do like shakedowns more so there. So like when mm-hmm. I was being housed the last time, well, the, the big long stint, um, which was 181 days, my unit got shook down twice. Um, it got shook down like right when I got there and then about 90 days into it. And when you say shook um, down, you mean guards come in, they take you out of the cell, search you, and then toss the cell looking for contraband, correct? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then um, in these trustee pods, they tend to not shake down unless there's an issue. Um, and so... Did you I work know, while you were in there for 180 days? And what did they have you doing? No, they, they cannot allow you to work or offer you work until you've been sentenced in Georgia. Because they've had some oh, issues. you were there pre-trial. Yeah, remember he was the guy that the judge was like, all right, well, I'm putting you back in jail until you decide you want to uh, agree to the plea deal or whatever it was. It was ridiculous. Yeah. 
the uh, the the probation restrictions. Um, wow, that sucks. Yeah. But um, no, they those guys tend to have you know multiple years um, of misdemeanor charges. Those guys tend to no disrespect to anybody, but like, and I I agree with this from a political stance more so than an inmate stance. But they tend to be more willing to listen. Um, like I would get in trouble for the guard would say something. I go, well, why? Why do why why is that the way we do things, right? Why can we not have a group decision on how we do this? Which obviously isn't the thing that you do in jail. But I uh, I'm cool with getting tased on occasion. You're cool with getting um, tased? Is that what you said? I got I was tased because I was like I don't agree with your rule. And he was like, well, you can go in. I was like, I'm not going in because legally I get 60 minutes out a day and I haven't had my 60 minutes out. And he goes, well, you're a distraction. You need to go in. I was like, I'm not going in. And next thing I know, go I'm going in. Say what? Go in where? You said you're not going in where? Yes. I'm not going back in my room. Oh. I'm not walking down. <laughs> like, I you got you. Go well, yeah, room. people are, are no. we're going to behave. And thank you, Stephen, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Definitely somebody is going to behave differently when they're sentenced. Inmate yeah. versus somebody who is their pretrial. Um, I mean, they could, you know, he is innocent until proven guilty, and it's in, <laughs> allegedly it's, yes. It's insulting to be treated as though you're yeah. just another prisoner. But once you're a prisoner, then it's like, okay, well, you you should probably be on your best behavior because you don't want to not get good time. You don't want to have to stay there if you can get out after two thirds of your sentence. You want that, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't want to stay for all of the sentence if all you have to do to get out is go to work. Well, and I've heard from a lot of people that they were treated worse pre-trial versus mm. after sentencing. Like they reported to me that they like felt like they were treated better after sentencing, wow. and which doesn't make any sense at all because innocent until proven guilty. But it's really yeah. just that's not a thing anymore. It's sad, but yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, I'm out on pretrial con- confinement, and I've got an insane amount of bail restrictions. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And if you're interested in learning more about why I'm out on bail, check out thecrypto6.com. Today, by the way, the one-year rate-aversary. Uh, on the date, this date, a year ago today, we had our windows smashed in at 6 in the morning as it was freezing, below freezing outside. And uh, We're the cops- most highly rated... Radio show. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160 in the studio tonight. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. Bones are open. You can take control of the airwaves here. That's what we do. Uh, as always, there's interesting news out of the Russia-Ukraine situation, and there's more to say about that, including a story about cats. We've heard about the various different uh, corporations, Netflix, McDonald's, Pepsi, uh, let's see, Airbnb, 
there's so many of them out there. Apparently Pornhub, I think. I've heard that, yep. They've uh, cut off the people of Russia because, I don't know, people think that punishing the average individual, many of whom are against the war in Ukraine, is going to somehow somehow get back to Putin and his cronies? Yeah, I don't really understand what the disconnect is there because obviously Putin doesn't care if Russian people are watching, like if they can eat at McDonald's or watch Pornhub or not. Like that does not affect politicians at all. I think the idea is that somehow it's going to cause people to rise up and overthrow him. But it's going to destroy the economy. I think that a a huge thing is social media and the internet where people, oh, I'm sorry, where people, um, now have the ability to talk to people without actually using their real face and body to go up to another person and talk to them. They just like, they're so disrespectful and they don't care about other human beings anymore. You're saying the fact that we are online is making people less aware that they're dealing with other people? Yeah, it's like, we're going to destroy Putin. They don't know who Putin is. They don't realize they're either don't realize they're actually hurting the average person or really don't care because they're like just doing something or thinking they're doing something to punish you know putin it's like so there's so many disconnects there in general first of all it's just human humanity is lost Mm -hmm. um people thinking it's fine to punish another human being for something that their overlord is doing is crazy well and the propaganda is a huge thing i mean we Going back to World War II, even, I mean, the propaganda was huge Mm -hmm. reason why. Yeah, it still is. And that's a huge reason why the American people were so into war and, oh, we have to do this because we have to save all of the German people and all the Jewish people, which, okay, yes, maybe, but they wouldn't feel that way without the propaganda telling them to feel that way. Right. And now you've also got the factor of these mega corporations, many of which are U.S. based companies that feel as though they need to signal to their viewers or their users or whatever that, hey, we're on board with this political idea, whatever that happens to be. It used to be COVID, right? All the COVID restrictions, every corporation was signaling their ability to go along with whatever the government, the CDC wanted. Yes, we'll do whatever we're, government's always right. And we do whatever we're told because we're good little corporate citizens. And now, and we've seen it on other things that's that previously had just been sort of feel good things. Like, uh, I don't know, it was last year they had, there was like the gay yeah, rights pride. month, pride month. Well, it's or not something just one like year. That. It's a, it, I mean, it wasn't just last year. It's like every year. But I just noticed it last year for the first time, where like Skittles was at Walmart, wow. and you had they had like what Rainbows. was it gray? They had oh, gray Skittles. That was weird. Yeah, they had gray Skittles because they said this year you are the ra- or this month you are the rainbow. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. And previous to that, I mean, I had seen it online previous to that, Bonnie, where companies would like post a thing about how pro, you know, gay rights they were. And and the reason they're doing this isn't because they actually care. It's because they want to make money. And that's fine. You know, I don't I don't besmirch them for wanting to make money, but they figured out that they will make more money if they say we're for gay rights than if they don't. For whatever reason, right? Like, there's definitely going to be some conservative Christian types who will say, I'll never eat Skittles again. 
and they're going to lose whatever portion of the Christian right-wingers, but they're figuring, okay, well, we're going to do better with these people in the Xennials or the Millennials, and those are going to be their targets anyway. Young people are probably more interested in eating candy or whatever, and so What's so weird to me about the Gray Skittles, though, is they also have the added bonus that, like, Budweiser comes out with rainbow bottles in June, and I'm always Mm. just like, I want one of those rainbow bottles. That doesn't really have to do with gayness it's just that i'm at a pride you parade like and i want to walk looks. away with a rain or walk around with a rainbow bottle even though i don't even like budweiser i'll drink right. it so for it works. just that one month the, yeah the marketing worked on you but why would skittles think it's cool to make gray different gray scale skittles it's just, yeah. it's just nobody wants such gray a dumb, skittles yeah, were they different that. colors of yeah, it was different like shades light of dark gray, gray yeah. i didn't know that i just uh, figured it would be all the same well, i think gray. so uh, I, I certainly didn't buy it because I just don't care. But uh, I mean, I support you know people being whoever they are. But the point I'm making here is what we've got now is the very same signaling is going on in a much more destructive manner. So it's no big deal if a company says, go gay rights. You know, OK, you've got an opinion. You think that's going to make you money. But now it's Okay, we're going to take a side in a war, in a you know violent conflict, because we believe that that's what our customers want to hear. We will cut off, in the case of PepsiCo, they mentioned that Pepsi has 4% of their business in Russia. All right, we're so into you know signaling about this, we're willing to cut off 4% of our business and an entire nation of 144 million potential customers... Uh, and many actual customers, to make a statement to the rest of the world that we're on board with this government gang instead of this government gang. And as uh, this opinion piece over at RT puts it, Western cancel culture has gone nuclear in targeting an entire country. Hmm. This is Rachel Marsden. She's uh, apparently a columnist and produces a program on Sputnik, which is one of the RT companies. Go ahead. And cancel culture is a perfect way to describe it. It's just like people thinking, oh, I'm going to cancel you. It's going to make me look good. And I don't really care about the consequences of what happens to you because you are currently bad guy. Right. Well, in this case, they're saying every person in Russia is the bad guy. Yeah, every person in Russia, not just Putin. And, and a lot of people like to throw around the word Putin right now, like, oh, because of Putin. But they're not thinking about the fact that they're actually hurting the random Russian people who probably never voted for Putin or... And they don't care because they see this as a way to pump up their, their you know, the way people see them and bring them more business. All right, we'll cut off all the Russian people if people will buy more of our stuff, basically. Uh, so she says, by now we're all used to righteous people pitching fits and ganging up mean girl style on those who they feel have committed transgressions against the status quo. But amid the conflict in Ukraine, some are actually trying to deplatform the world's largest country by attacking anyone and anything even remotely associated with it. Back in 2003, in the run-up to the Iraq War, when I was working in Washington, D.C. as the director of a think tank associated with the George W. Bush administration, I recall the moment when French fries were suddenly renamed Freedom Fries. Now, Bonnie, you were probably too young to be aware of this. Do you Have you ever heard of this happening? For some reason, it's ringing a bell, but really, no. I have no clue. You were definitely too young. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you're even a little bit younger than, than Bonnie. But yeah, this was the big way to get back at... Uh, the Frenchies, for whatever reason, because I don't know what the the reason. The French was, did something. I don't remember I don't that. Remember, I don't even remember what it was. Uh, they, you know, <laughs> didn't take a side or mm-hmm. something happened, 
And so in the congressional cafeteria, they renamed French fries to Freedom Freedom Fries. And it got all this press. And it was like, yeah, we're doing something. You know, like that kind of attitude. So ridiculous. But this now is that times a thousand. Uh, it, she says, was an attempt by the Republicans. Oh, here we go to stick it to the to, to the French who had opposed the invasion of Iraq. French products were also subsequently boycotted over Paris's refusal to support the U.S. invasion. But such measures are almost quaint and sensible compared to the utter hysterical lunacy that is transpiring today. And we're going to get into the cats aspect of this uh, as Russia and NATO member countries face off over Ukraine. According to various reports, North American government officials have been demanding the removal of Russian vodka from store shelves. But it turns out that almost none of it was imported from Russia. Wow. None of it's even made in Russia. The brands in question, Smirnov or Stolchnaya, for example, just sound Russian. We'll tell you more about this insanity, this cancel culture against an entire nation of people. The number is 603-283-6160 and their cats, as you'll hear in moments. This is Free Talk Live, and you're invited if you want to join us here. If you want to share some of the most ridiculous examples of this woke signaling against Russia and the Russian people, you want to share what you've seen, feel free to join us here at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160 here tonight, Ian. And Bonnie. And Nikki. Also want to say thanks to Dennis W., who is a Free Talk Live supporter of the AMPS program. It's a uh, Patreon. And he signed up as a Platinum, which, thank you, Dennis, it's uh, 25 bucks a month at least. Heading over to our Patreon at amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way for you to help us get the ideas of liberty onto more great radio stations around the country. So thank you, Dennis, for helping us out there. Once again, it's amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you, Dennis. Indeed. So sharing a, an opinion piece here from rt.com, which is now one of the most difficult websites to access, one of the most uh, hard-to-find content on the planet. We'll get into uh, Canada now banning RT on the way here. Um, so there's been plenty of targeting of this particular website and their television uh, content, which makes me want to know, well, what do they have to say? What are they saying over at RT? Why is it that so many government uh, gangs of the world do not want you to hear what they have to say? Well, look, it is propaganda, obviously, uh, but to RT's credit, they have actually reported at RT on some of the things that the Russian government has been doing. So it's not like it's not like RT has completely whitewashed all of Russia's actions. Here's another headline from RT, and this one was from several days ago, last week. Uh, I think it's like 10 days ago. Russia criminalizes, quote, disinformation about the army. So they're reporting on some of the bad things that Russia is doing over at RT. Obviously, though, it is Russian government funded, so you do have to keep that in mind. But as we pointed out in our discussion about RT America and their shutdown, Holland Cook, who is a longtime friend of the show here on Free Talk Live, hosted a show on RT. And he said when he, you know, again, they they had to fire everybody because they can't get paid anymore due to the fact that the Russian banks are being uh, shut off. And so they had to shut down operations. And he said they had never told him what to say. 
They never told him there was and he they never told him there were anything that he could not talk about. He could talk about anything he wanted and have any position or opinion that he wanted on his show. Wow, what was the show about? Um it's it was called The Big Picture and mm-hmm. it's it was about whatever he wanted it to be about. I and mean, Holland's a kind of a leftist, so his political perspective came from that side of things. In fact, he seems to be a, a supportive of Ukraine in, in general, I think. But uh, regardless, the, that's the, the point I wanted to make here is RT, despite what all the, the crap that gets talked about them as far as them being a Russian mouthpiece, to be fair to them, they're, they're pretty good journalists. And that says a lot that Russia, it looks like they value free speech more than Canada and some of the other countries well, that have banned. That way because they are also allegedly arresting people in Russia for protesting the war. Yeah. And as as I say here, you know, right on RT, Russia is now criminalizing disinformation about the army. So is you it? could spend up to 15 years in prison for peddling so-called false information about the actions of the Russian military. If you're in Russia. So, I mean, that's not a free speech country. Yeah. Well, and that's that's confusing to me then because so RT is allowed to report on whatever they want and say some things that might mm-hmm. be anti-war. Well, I wouldn't say RT is anti-war per se. They Their job is to report on what's going on and they are giving the Russian perspective on things. Uh, but if they were to lie about what the Russian military were, were doing, then they could be prosecuted. Okay. What were you going to say? Is it really true that it's illegal to be gay in Russia? That's worth looking into. I've definitely heard that in the past. It's certainly something um, from what I've seen on various different, I don't know if it was news, but I saw some sort of news package about this in the past that is very difficult to be a publicly gay person in Russia. I don't know if it's a criminal act or if it's just that thugs will come after you and nothing will be done uh, to the thugs, but that would be an interesting thing to look into. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds to me like Russia, Canada, Ukraine, and the United States are just trying to be the worst governments they possibly can, and all the people yeah, living under those governments would be better off without any of them. Totally agree. Uh, but that said, let's talk more about what's been happening to the Russian people because we know that governments are oppressive. We know that governments are just people that are using violence and the threat of violence against their neighbors. Uh, none of them should be trusted. You can't believe a word that they're saying, but. What you can believe is what these U.S. space and other international corporations are doing as a result of them wanting to be seen and be signaling about taking a position on this. So you talked about how uh, some people in the United States have been protesting by pouring out liquor, which they believe to be Russian, but they're not. Uh, Smirnov and Stolichnaya are just they just sound like they're Russian. According to this uh, opinion piece at RT, a bar in the state of Maryland has renamed the classic Russian mule cocktail, rebranding it a Kiev mule. And Magic Mountain Ski Resort in Vermont tweeted a video showing a barman dumping bottles of Stoli, which were already bought and paid for, presumably, down the drain. Apparently unaware, the brand is actually Latvian with operations in Ukraine. Wow, they couldn't even do the littlest amount of research. Nope. Russian, because again, it's just about signaling, right? Oh, we've got this Russian vodka. We're going to make a video and pour it out and get a bunch of people sharing it and probably a bunch of leftists. uh, And I guess there's some righties who are in favor of Ukraine as well coming through their door. Everybody should boycott that bar because they accidentally poured out Ukrainian made 
vodka. Russian author Fedor Dostoevsky was canceled by the University of Milano Bicocca in Italy, which suspended a course about him before reinstating it after a backlash. But the joke was on them because Do- because Dostoevsky was already canceled, you could say, having passed away in the year 1881. So the odds oh are God. fairly low that he had any involvement in the current Ukraine conflict. Oh my god, I like how she's using the word canceled like it's just a scientific word or something. It's also improbable that cats or dogs from Russia are responsible for the situation in Ukraine. Although, hey, you never know, right? One can never be too sure. (laughs) So the fact that the International Feline Federation has banned Russian Moggies from competitions and this year's Krufts Dog Show, the world's biggest annual such event, is reportedly prohibiting the participation of Russian pooches is totally sane and logical. Wait, does that mean like if the owners and the dog live in Russia, they're not allowed to? Or is it saying some type of Russian breed? Because Russian Moggy sounds like some kind of breed of cat that's Russian. I think Moggy might be slang for cats, but uh, let's get into the... There's actually a whole other story about this. We'll we'll Mm -hmm. detour into it from also from RT. Uh, The International Feline Federation, F-I-F-E, has weighed in on the Ukraine crisis, banning Russian-owned cats... So not just one type of cat, but any cat owned by a Russian person wow. from competing in its shows as a sanction for Moscow's military attack on the former Soviet Republic. Quote, the FIFE executive board is shocked and horrified that the army of the Russian Federation invaded the Republic of Ukraine and started a war, said the Paris-based Federation this, uh, I guess, over a week ago. The group added that it, quote, cannot just witness these atrocities and do nothing. As a result, cats belonging to Russian residents will be banned from entry at any FIFI shows. In addition, no cats bred in Russia can be imported and registered in a FIFE pedigree book, according to the group. The sanctions will remain in place through at least May and may be extended, presumably depending on what transpires in Ukraine. FIFE said it will use some of its budget to support cat breeders and fanciers in Ukraine. Quote, our Ukrainian fellow feline fanciers are desperately trying to take care of their cats and other animals in these trying circumstances. So it's okay to help the people in Ukraine take care of their cats, but the people in Russia, screw them and their cats, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's not all about the cats. For this feline federation, it's about politics. FEFI is a federation of cat registries with member organizations in 39 countries. It also is one of nine World Cat Congress members. And so, yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you cared what was right for or what was best for cats, you'd let them sit around playing with yarn all day and not train them to walk around in, in these stupid shows. Yeah, it is kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, um, there was a great movie about the dog shows. I don't think they they brought cats into it, but it was called Best in Show. Really oh. funny. Uh, one of those, what do they call them, mockumentaries mm. where it wasn't a real documentary, but filmed like a documentary and pretty funny stuff. So if you like that, if you like those sorts of movies, check that one out. Well, I think that the dog shows are kind of different because dogs love to, to learn how to do something and then get mm-hmm. praised for doing the thing that they know how to do. But cats, I feel like they would just be like, Get me out of here. Yeah, they typically don't care. <laughs> I trained my cat when I had a cat. <laughs> yeah, but did he want to be over. taken out of the house in a crate into no. like a big ar- arena? I doubt that. No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My aunt trained her cat to use the toilet. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number here, male cat or female? 
I think it was a female, but I'm not entirely sure. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join the show here and more about the woke signaling cutting off the Russian people from the rest of humanity. It's sick. Coming up. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones open here as we kick off the second hour of the program. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. And Nikki. You can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. For those of you just tuning in, we've been talking about the cancel culture now expanding to an entire nation of human beings who are being targeted and cut off from everything from purchasing things from McDonald's and Airbnb to Netflix, uh, various different corporations, and even being banned from international feline competitions. Now any Russian-owned cats are prohibited from being able to be shown or entered into any of these competitions. Those are some of the things we've been covering so far um, and again, we're going to go back to your phone calls, but there's more to this this story about this cancel culture now expanding and getting even more ridiculous than ever before. But to the phones and to your calls and thoughts, the number again, 603-283-6160, which should go to somebody that I believe, Bonnie, you invited to call into the show. Normally we don't set up phone calls, so I just want to make sure we're being clear that uh, we, we specifically invited this gentleman. His name is Larry, and he's one of the uh, the folks involved in an organization that both Bonnie and Nikki have, uh, have become involved in recently called Decriminalize Nature, calling from Oakland, California. Uh, hello, Larry. Hello, everybody. Nice to hear from you. Well, nice to hear from you. Thanks for reaching out to us here tonight. Uh, Bonnie, can you kind of, I don't know, do a recap here on you know why you wanted to invite Larry on and or how you found Decriminalized Nature? Maybe? Well, I used to see articles about Decriminalized Nature and what they were doing. I don't even really know how I saw the first article, but I would bring it as show prep onto the show because I thought what they were doing was really cool. They have different chapters all around the nation that were getting... Um, decriminalization measures passed in different towns and i just wondered one decriminalization day decriminalization measures for psychedelics sorry for mm-hmm. psychic uh for entheogenic plants and funguses just nature 
literally decriminalizing nature. I think that's how I came across them is we've been following the kind of the, the political progress of various different drug decriminalizations across the United States. And when we started seeing the headlines out of Denver and Oakland and... For me, it was uh, Michigan, Michi- a bunch of towns in Michigan. Yeah, and various different places uh, that, that started to do local decriminalization of not cannabis, because that's been going on for you know the last two decades in a lot of places, but actual psilocybin-containing mushrooms or psychedelic mushrooms uh, caught my attention, and that's when I saw the the terminology of decriminalized nature, and I thought, well, that's a really cool concept. I'm glad there's somebody out there that's pushing the you know pushing the conversation further than just cannabis, and that's that's when it got my attention. That's probably a couple of years ago now. Yeah, so I, I wondered if there was a group of people in New Hampshire working with them, and there wasn't, so I reached out to them, and uh, Larry, I don't, I'm not sure what your uh, position what you, uh, you are with Decriminalized Nature. Were you one of the founders? Yeah, co-founder, also a board member, and uh, national outreach coordinator. Yeah, so I reached out to him, and he's been really helpful, helping, uh, I, I got a team together, so me, Nikki, nobody from the show, and one other girl that we know, and uh, we're just we haven't really uh, done a whole lot. But Larry's been a great uh, resource talking to him. And Larry, could you take us back a little bit to the founding of Decriminalized Nature? How did that happen? What was the uh, the inspiration for it? Sure, sure, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, is um, we're lucky to be in the San Francisco Bay Area, where this is um, you know a pretty big conversation. It has been a conversation. Um, for a while, obviously. Um, and so a group of us, some of us, I have another nonprofit called Entheogenic Research Integration Education, which deals with uh, educating people about the topic of entheogenic plants and fungi, but also other psychedelics and also helping people integrate or sort of make meaning of really profound and unusual experiences. And uh, myself and a, group, a, a large group of other people came together. We started talking about, hey, how do we build like a conscious community out here based upon some of these principles? And in that conversation, uh, you know, we never had even began to start talking about policy or anything, but we started talking about uh, the upcoming Denver um, ballot initiative, which mm-hmm. would have decriminalized use and possession of psilocybin, and also uh, what was happening in Oregon, which is sort of a legalized psilocybin therapy model, right? Mm-hmm. And so we started discussing what were the differences between these two models, and if, you know, and what does that look like? And uh, one of the things that we sort of came to the conclusion of is like, hey, we we live in the Bay Area. Why are we waiting around for people to come to us? We can we can do this right here. And we just happen to have the right collection of people in the room at the right time. You know how that, you know, the magic happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden, we started talking about this and we started um, saying, hey, we could actually do this here in Oakland. Let's, let's do this in Oakland. And so one of the, you know, there's a couple different points. And, and as Bonnie said, you know, this is about nature. And you said this as well. Um, we really wanted to expand this beyond the conversation that was happening in Denver, in Oregon. We understood that in Denver, there's probably not a huge population of other plant medicine people out there. But here in the Bay Area, we have ayahuasca communities. We have DMT communities. We have iboga communities. We have cacti communities. Like all these communities are here. And so we're like, let's have a conversation about nature not just about psilocybin mushrooms. Let's talk about our disconnection from nature. Let's talk about, um, you know, the, the sovereignty to be able to grow your own plants. Uh, and this is another thing that we sort of expanded upon. Some, some of the other drug policy organizations out there talk a lot about use and possession, but they never decriminalize cultivation or sharing mm-hmm. in ceremony or sharing with friends and things like that. So we're like, let's, let's really make this about personal sovereignty, about the ability to grow your own, 
about the ability to share it in ceremony and to really be able to engage with these practices on our own. So we said, okay, well, let's do this. And so we put together a resolution based upon some of the, the cannabis um, stuff that had happened in the past we, um, in terms of decriminalization. And, uh, you know, the basic part in terms of how you do this on the city level versus the state level is the city level, you really can't oftentimes do things that are in conflict with state law. But what you can do, what the city does have the power to do is control the, the purse strings and to create prioritization for law enforcement. So uh, really it's kind of a de facto decriminalization, which is a deprioritization. So amongst the lowest law enforcement priority, if somebody was jaywalking, they would get a ticket before, you know, someone that had mushrooms, for example. And then the mm-hmm. second part is basically like a, um, a reallocation of funding or defunding. And that's, that's a trigger word for a lot of folks now, but uh, taking away any kind of funding or resources for investigation, persecution or, or arrest for individuals engaging in antigenic plant practices. So that's kind of the power of the city has the ability to direct their own budget. One of the so things that I, I think I noticed about Oakland was, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Denver was sort of the first to decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms, but wasn't Oakland the first to do the full-on decriminalized nature, meaning that any plant, any fungi, anything that you can grow naturally has been decriminalized yeah. in, in Oakland. And wasn't it a, 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 a unanimous decision by the city council? Yes, it's been a unanimous decision in almost all the city councils. I think only two or three people have voted against it. Mm-hmm. One or two of them have just been from a polit- political issue versus anything else. But mm-hmm. yes, we uh, we went beyond, as I was saying earlier, we have all these communities here in the Bay Area. Let's bring the ayahuasca community. Let's bring the DMT community. Let's bring the you know the cacti community. So we, But we did focus only on Schedule 1 substances. So, for example, all Schedule 1 plant and mushroom materials, we didn't, you know, there's some arguments that people could say for cocoa being an antigenic plant in certain cultures or poppy to be an antigenic plant in certain cultures, but those are Schedule 2. So we didn't want to focus on those. Those already have pharmaceutical exceptionalism. You know, they are, there's already a medical model for that. And we didn't want to go up against big pharma quite, quite yet, you know, we're already mm-hmm. dealing with that, right? So, um, so we decided to focus on just the Schedule 1 substances. So this actually is, you know, four basically compounds but we're talking about thousands of plants and plant combinations. You know, mm. not a lot of people know that there's so many different plants that exist all around us that have these materials in them. So the four main categories would be cacti containing mescaline. So mescaline would be the compound that's criminalized. Um, plant combinations similar to ayahuasca that contain DMT. Uh, if you look at all the different MAOI and DMT combinations, which is what makes ayahuasca, you're looking at thousands of plants and plant combinations. Uh, mushrooms that contain psilocybin, as you mentioned, which there are quite a few. And then also plants that contain ibogaine. This would be iboga is the most common one that people are, are familiar with. Um, that comes from Gabon and West Africa and is used for like traditional ancestral healing, going to the ancestors, past lives, things like that. Um, Larry, can you hang on the line years. and talk to us uh, sure. some more? All right, I got some more questions for sure. Larry. He's one of the yeah. co-founders of Decriminalize Nature. And uh, offhand, I don't have their website, but we will get that for you. That way you can go and learn more about them as well. If you've got a question you want to weigh in here, you're welcome to join us at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about decriminalizing nature here on Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can. The number is 603-283-6160, 603-283-6160. We are talking with one of the founders of Decriminalized Nature. Their website, by the way, is decriminalizednature.org. That's where you can go to learn more about this organization that has done some pretty amazing work 
in various different uh, localities and helping to decriminalize possession of things like psilocybin mushrooms, iboga-containing plants, DMT-containing plants, mescaline-containing plants, and uh, fungi and that sort of thing. And we've got uh, Larry, who's one of the founders, on the line with us here, calling us from his home there in Oakland, where this all got started and you were kind of taking us back. How, how many years ago was this that the Oakland thing? Was it like just 2018 or something like that? When was that? Yeah, we, we met We met in December 2018. Uh, we passed in June 2019, so one month after um, the Denver ballot initiative passed. Uh, wow. Our approach was a little bit different because we were asking for the city council to vote on it versus the constituents, mm-hmm. um, which, again, like you said, that was pretty amazing. We have probably one of the most diverse city councils uh, in the U.S. here in Oakland, and it was a unanimous decision. Everyone was behind the idea. Uh, now I think there's 13 or 14 cities that have passed decriminalization of antigenic plants and fungi across the U.S. Um, and um, like I said, most all, I think, I don't know the numbers exactly, but I think 99% of them were unanimous decisions as well. Yeah, so that's what's been most interesting about this is the the yeah. unanimity of the city councils. Normally, this would yeah. be a you know in any issue in front of a city council, it's going to be political and there's going to be some sort of a divide. But to go with this unanimous verdict, when you started to approach or and the the other folks there that you work with, when you started approaching these councilors one on one. Uh, was there pushback initially from a, tr- a chunk of them, and they were persuaded? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, there's um, there was some pushback from some folks, and that's just, you know, and, and that happens in every city. You know, there's some neutral folks or some people who are like, oh, I don't know about this. And, you know, that's where good education comes into play. You just share with them. You know, we really kind of have this three-tier system, share them the science to kind of crack their head open from the stigma mm-hmm. and share the personal testimonials so they can really feel in their heart and then ground it in sort of long tradition of practice and use so they don't get stuck in the, oh, well, let's wait for the FDA trials. Well, let's wait for the medicalization of this. Let's not do that. We see what happened. We saw that what happened with cannabis with all that. Let's make sure that people can grow and just decriminalize. And so I think people were really behind that pretty quickly. It did take us some time, but, you know, it was an accelerated process. I think total time for us to pass was about four months, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then since then, you know, it's been a little bit more difficult, obviously, to pass 13 other cities across the U.S. during the pandemic when people couldn't do the lobbying, quote unquote, mm-hmm. which is basically you sit in the lobby and you wait. Now you have to do emails and it's really easy to say, oh, I went to my sandbox. So it's a little bit harder right now. But even right. still, in that process, we've had 13 cities that have passed, 13 other cities that have passed uh, some sort of policy around this. We're also working with two different state legislations in Michigan. Uh, Michigan not only decriminalizes entheogenic plants and fungi, but also defelonizes all substances. So people don't have really long prison terms. You're for, saying that's a proposal or it's it's passed in Michigan? That's a bad, No, it's a ballot initiative that they're going oh, to start ballot. gathering signatures for in the uh, next, uh, next month or so. So right now, uh, the only state with, uh, that Colorado. has done anything at a state level is Oregon, where they did a overall drug decriminalization. That didn't specifically have anything to do with decriminalized nature, though. Is there any other state that's got something that's coming up or is it just Michigan right now? There's Michigan and Colorado, um, and then there's a lot of that's ballot initiative. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of legislation that's being worked through, but the thing about legislation is it can be influenced and changed and edited and all that kind of sure. stuff across the way. I know Vermont's got something going on right now with uh, Representative Brian Chena, uh, which is some pretty good um, language there. We really appreciate. It. We really want to take and make this legislation and these ballot initiatives as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Our approach is like let's exempt these from the Controlled Substances Act. 
you have some of these other big corporate influence packs that are going out there and they, you know, 27, 30, 70 page, you know, Oregon was like a 70 plus page ballot initiative, wow. right? Which is complex, which is difficult. There's all these licenses. There's all these barriers of access. One of the barriers of access in Oregon for the legalization of psilocybin is you smoke too much cannabis, but there's no definition of what that means. Wow. You have moral integrity with no definition of what that means. <laughs> so there's some problematic issues. There's some, there's a closed task force, which actually the chair of the closed task force just got um, resigned because some conflicts of interest, uh, mm-hmm. corporate influence, and that type of thing. So there's there's that concern. So we really want to take this on a simple route. Let's just decriminalize. Let people, you know, re-evolve culture, so to speak, around these uh, plants and mushrooms. And then the 110, that was 109 in Oregon. Then 110, which decriminalized all substances, didn't decriminalize um, growing, so that's still a felony. Didn't decriminalize sharing in communities, so that's still a felony. Mm-hmm. Or harvesting when there's mushrooms that grow everywhere in Oregon, that's still a felony. So. And, and the way that they decriminalize, they put a limit on mushrooms. So they say 13 grams of mixture substance with a detectable amount of psilocybin. So if you had a 13-gram chocolate bar with a microdose in it, that would still be considered misdemeanor uh-huh. there. So, so it, it feeds into the other model, which is more about this has to go through the state-run, state-operated, state-trained, state-grown. Right, total control, uh, which exactly. is exactly. This one of the things that I, when I learned this about decriminalized nature, I was pretty excited because you guys are in favor of just freedom when it comes to these plants you're not looking for a state regulated system with taxes and regulations and controls and permission slips and applications and fees and bureaucracy no more nannies yeah (laughs) that to me was a huge relief to see a you know an organization that is trying to make these changes and not you know, asking for a completely new bureaucracy to be cre- created. Like here in, in New Hampshire, there was a, a big mistake of a cannabis uh, legalization bill that, that passed the House recently. And I, it looks like it's going to die in the Senate. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a good thing yeah, I hope so. if it dies, because it would require the state to be the monopoly seller of cannabis and create all new state-run uh, monopoly stores. Like and the, li- the state liquor stores yeah, here, here are run by liquor. the state, and uh, they would have a state uh, bureaucracy for marijuana selling. It's just horrible. Yeah, it I went terrible. to so many reps wow. and told them how bad I thought it was, and they kept saying, well, we think it's a step in the right direction, and I don't see yeah, how at all. That's the tricky... That's the, that's what they say, right? That's mm-hmm. the, we need this for political expediency, or every little step works. But no, that's not the case because the one that once that step's taken, then the deep pockets influence it further to go towards them. And so we, everyone thinks all policy is good policy, and that's not the case as you're seeing there as well. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, so what are you, you guys are are spread out through various different states right now. You've got some uh, action in New England. You said Michigan. Uh, where are the, the the primary spots right now? Yeah, we probably have about 50 active cities across the U.S. right now. That mm-hmm. includes, uh, you know, I actually just got off a call with some folks in Georgia. There's a bunch of folks in Florida. Uh, Massachusetts, obviously, is doing some work. Vermont has some work going on there. New Hampshire, um, New York is New York City is doing some stuff. Uh, Michigan, there's plenty. We've got some Montana teams, Washington teams. Some Oregon teams are trying to, like, fix some of the equity gaps that are happening there and mm-hmm. bring it back to freedom. So there's some folks working there for that. Uh, lots of teams going on in California, uh, especially in Southern California. Some folks in Texas, um, Arizona. Very cool. The, uh, 
Louisiana. So yeah, it's pretty much spread all across. And we've even had people downloading packets from all across the world. So that's been really that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Three months of our work, there's some actually from Moscow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Moscow, Crazy. we downloaded as an info packet. Like, how do we already get to Moscow? And three months after we it's amazing. Uh, so, you know, so you got really something exciting. good going on, and it's duplicatable. It's something that people can take lessons from and and just try to roll exactly. out the same concepts where they live. Uh, do you do you ladies, do you have any questions for Larry? I mean, obviously, you've talked to him uh, before off the air, but any questions for him while we have him here? Um, is there anywhere people can go to donate? Yeah, absolutely. If you go under our website, under our contribute page, uh, decriminalizednature.org slash contribute, or our That'll be a place to do it, or you can go to our Instagram page uh, at Decriminalized Nature. Um, also, another thing that I think is really important. Hold that thought, Larry. We'll bring it back for another thing here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. The number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about decriminalizing nature. There's a lot of nature that has been criminalized, in case you weren't aware. Uh, and we're talking about things that could alter your state of consciousness in, a, in many cases, in a very positive way. Uh, and uh, there's a great organization called Decriminalized Nature. Their website, decriminalizednature.org, they came out a few years ago and did some work in Oakland, California, to get a decriminalization measure uh, taking, I guess, put into effect by the city council there, and it was done so unanimously. And as uh, Larry, who's one of the co-founders, is with us here, pointed out, this has been unanimous in almost every city council uh, where they've duplicated this basically the same kind of language in a variety of different places from... Uh, you know, Michigan, I think Ann Arbor was one of the, the locations. And how many Massachusetts yeah. towns? You mentioned Massachusetts. It's been a handful, right? Yeah, there's um, there's another group out there, two named Bay Sitters, that's been helping out. But uh, the Decriminature team and, you know, that basic resolution was uh, sort of replicated in other places. So uh, we helped out with uh, Somerville and Cambridge. And then um, I believe Northampton and East Hampton also passed. Um, so I believe it's four cities in Massachusetts. Um, I think that would be the most in a state at the moment. Mm. We have three in California. Uh, we have three, I think, in Michigan with a fourth coming up hopefully in a week or two. Um, so that would be great. Um, but it, yeah, but uh, lots, you know, it seems like Massachusetts, Michigan, and California, for whatever reason, are kind of uh, leading the way. Uh, it's great progress in, level. you know, for an organization that's not even been around for five years uh, at this point. So kudos to you. You were giving some examples of donation yeah, uh, suggestions and the, the website, and that you yeah. were in the middle of explaining one of them, uh, and then we had to cut you off there for a moment. So sure. go ahead. No problem, no problem. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> my talking into your commercial time there. No problem. Um, so, yeah, so uh, our, uh, and if you want to donate, we do actually have, uh, take crypto now, too, which I forgot to mention, cool. which is on uh, BitPay. Uh, nice. So if you can, you can either find that link on our Instagram 
uh, or on our website. Uh, you go to our website is going to be, I believe, decriminalizednature.org slash contribute or events uh, contribute. Let me let me check on that real quick. But what I was saying right before we left off there was that, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, decriminalizednature.org slash events slash contribute, and that'll be our page and it talks about you know what donations are going to and nice. sort of what we've been up to. Yep, there's a bit pay option. Kind of thing. Yep, yep, great. Yeah, so um, so that's one thing. But what I was saying earlier is that you know one of the things that I think that it was really powerful for me in this whole process is you know because before we had started this, you know, I'm I'm I studied the, you know this from more of an academic perspective, and I had the nonprofit which was dealing with education integration. Um, so this is my first run of policy. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any policy experience before this, and so. What I think is also beautiful about this is seeing people all across the U.S. remembering, re-remembering, I guess, or relearning how to re-engage with elected officials, with government, reminding each other that, hey, the government works for us. Hey, we're their constituents. They're supposed to be doing what we ask them to do, you know? And so what is that process? How does that work? How do we engage with city council? How do we write a resolution? How do we write press releases? All these different types of things, which I think sounds like you're a little bit more advanced there, this crew in New Hampshire, but you know, for some people it's totally new. So it's also kind of an interesting thing to be able to uh, help people uh, re-understand what direct democracy is all about, which I think is, is part of this process. Yes, we're helping to uh, you know, decriminalize entheogenic plants and fungi, but down the road, now people are going to have tools to really kind of make whatever kind of change they can think of um, through this process. So it's been really a beautiful thing for my own learning process as well. On the uh, Contribute page, I was just scrolling down that as you were explaining that, and there's actually a cool little map that you guys have that show the various different active cities and states and cities yeah, that have already decriminalized. We need to update that map. We need to update that map. It's already oh, changed more. quite a bit since then. So Very yeah. nice. So how did you get into thinking that this is a really important uh, topic, just the entire topic of entheogenic plants and fungi? How did you decide that that's something you want more people to experience and have the freedom to be able to? Yeah, so, so for me, as I was saying earlier, this has been something I've been really interested in for quite some time, um, since probably about, you know, I had my first experiences and. 1996 or something like that and started to look into the research as a research out there from an academic point of view uh, I was a little bit more into neuroscience at the time and as I was having my experiences I was like neuroscience doesn't tell us anything about consciousness if this is what consciousness is all about right so it was kind of mind expanding and kind of had a little bit of a uh, you know uh, the- LRN.FM hit the the, uh, the dump button you are on broadcast radio so normally uh if somebody says that we have to get rid of them completely but we're going to give you another chance here so uh just be be careful and remember that uh, the fcc doesn't like those words i apologize profusely that's all right (laughs) you were saying though go ahead and take uh, yourself back uh 20 seconds and start over Sure. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I was I was studying this in school and realizing that neuroscience wasn't really showing me the same things that my mushroom experiences were showing. So, um, so I became very fascinated, sort of, on the inner experience. And um, then it kind of, I know I did a big long road trip and was talking to other people. And in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of this research happening. So, uh, so I realized it was even stifling science, so to speak, you know. Hmm. Um, and uh, then as I became more interested in this, I realized like, wow, indigenous cultures. And I kind of knew this, but like really became clear that indigenous cultures have been working with this and underground cultures have been working with this for decades, centuries, millennia. Um, so it became pretty clear that there 
uh, was sort of this sort of battle of consciousness, so to speak, a spirituality of the sacred experience. And so uh, to really be able to uh, re- at least get rid of the criminal penalties, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for dispensary models. I'm not advocating for medicalization. We aren't as an organization as well. Uh, but we are saying, hey, let's make sure that if people want to explore consciousness, which is a human right, we believe this is an unalienable right to have our own relationship with nature. Um, and so uh, to be able to engage with folks, um, uh, in this in this way, you can't do it when it's criminalized. There's a lot of people who just naturally won't do anything if it's against the law. Yep. You know, some of us will, some of us won't. And so if we can change these laws, then we're going to be opening up a lot more people to the opportunity uh, to have these experiences where, again, we're not encouraging or we're not saying that everyone should do it, but we certainly shouldn't have these legal restrictions to be able to, uh, you know, have our own relationship with our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it would be very interesting to see how America would be and the world if these medicines were more widely used, like how how yeah. much more peaceful and how much more evolved could we possibly be if this was part of the norm? And, and you know, it's not for everybody, but just like you mentioned, a lot of people won't do something if it's illegal out of fear mm-hmm. or whatever the reasoning is. So once mm-hmm. we make these things legalized or at least decriminalized, it opens up a lot more people to the possibility of exploring these different avenues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's even, there's like, there's the criminalization aspect, but it's been stigmatized for 60 plus years now as well. Plus sure. even further back, if you want to go before the Controlled Substances Act, you know, and you look at the, the eradication of cultures that were using sacred plants all across the world. And so, um, so yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's also this level of stigma. Like for example, if doctors, want to talk to their patients about it that's not like a legal issue that's a licensure issue now yeah so stigma comes into even how people are working and how people can engage with this conversation how people can educate so we really see decriminalization is also a risk reduction strategy so that people that are already doing this research that are already talking about it that are already undergrounding you know their practices can come above ground share with people in the community educate people about the benefits you know about the risks all this type of things um, and do it in a way that they don't have to worry about it so I think there's there's a criminalization aspect and then there's the stigma aspect and the education really is to sort of get over that stigma and I think what we're seeing is education works because unanimous decision you said across most of the cities um, so it's really beneficial to be able to talk to people about this in a good way Larry, I want to thank you for uh, calling in tonight and sharing uh, Decriminalized Nature with our audience. I'm sure a lot of them uh, maybe are hearing it for the first time. So, again, check them out online at decriminalizednature.org. And you mentioned there's an Instagram. What is the handle there? At at Decriminalized Nature. And also there's a great team in New Hampshire forming. So if you're in New Hampshire, check out Bonnie and crew, and uh, and, uh, we can uh, help you decriminalize out there in New Hampshire. Very good, Larry. Thanks for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. The number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. And uh, again, thanks, Larry. Uh, One of the nice things here in New Hampshire is we didn't even, like before Decriminalized Nature even formed in New Hampshire, there was already state representatives who who put forth a... uh, a piece of legislation to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms. So that's actually still in the legislature. The full House has yet to vote on that. Uh, There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. 
603-283-6160 in the studio tonight. Ian and Bonnie and Nikki. Join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. We have some features and they are all free, including our social media platform, which you can follow over at social.freetalklive.com. And you can do more than follow. You can post to it. You can post whatever opinions that you would like to have unless they're spam. Those the only people I've ever deleted from social.freetalklive.com are the obvious spammers who just come there to spam a thing or have a thing spamming in their profile settings or whatever. Uh, but uh, otherwise, just express yourself over at social.freetalklive.com. It's a Mastodon-based system, which means it's open source, it's self-hosted, it's federated, so that means it's connected to other Mastodons. So if you're already on another Mastodon, you can follow our, our accounts from your existing Mastodon, which is pretty cool. So check it out at social.freetalklive.com. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. But as I was mentioning, we were talking with Larry from Decriminalized Nature, and the two of uh, you have started up a... New Hampshire, I guess, division or yeah, whatever. Chapter, chapter. I think they're referred to, yeah. Of criminal, uh, decriminalized nature. But y'all did that after there was already a bill that was submitted. And I didn't even know about that. Yeah. and uh, I don't was, know if you did, Bonnie, but... Yeah, I wouldn't testify at the hearing. But beforehand, like before we even oh, before started? before I started decriminalized nature, no. Or, no, I, I didn't know that at all. I can't remember how I first heard about it. Was it you found it, Ian? Oh, no, I found it because I started uh, looking into the... You can just read what all the bills are. Mm-hmm. And we were looking up the word like decriminalized psilocybin to see if there was one in there. We we're like, wow, there actually is. Yep. And it is still in the process. It was put in front of a committee where you and I, we went and, and testified on that on that body. And that, I believe that video is up on the free keen odyssey if you want to if you want to watch it. It's pretty interesting, and there was actually a state legislator that got in front of that committee and gave an, a lengthy discussion and had some really good points as well. Um, and I thought we were very persuasive. I thought it, it felt to me like the committee was listening and interested, but yet they voted 18 to 2 for the to, status quo to kill the thing, uh, which is what they call inexpedient to legislate here. Now, to be fair, some bills can get voted inexpedient to legislate in committee and be reversed on the floor of the state house. So this thing isn't over yet necessarily. Uh, now, what happens on the floor? We don't know. When it's coming to the floor, we don't know. I don't think it's this week. At least I haven't heard anything about it being being this week. Supposedly they're dealing with like 200 bills this week at the state house. So, you know, if you're interested in these issues and you are a free state project early mover or i guess not early moving now if you're just a free state project mover or you're a liberty lover here in new hampshire and you want to get active on this y'all are so new with decriminalized nature in new hampshire i don't think you have any uh i don't have any contact info for the actual group itself because Mm -hmm. at first i was just keeping it small because we had lots of things we were uh distracted by like the cacr 32 bill and Mm -hmm. just lots of other things so if somebody is interested and they live in New Hampshire and they want to help, they can email me at bonnie at freetalklive.com. And you'll get con- get them connected with whatever you guys have. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So check that out. And let's see. There was I felt like there was one other aspect. Oh, yeah. The other thing that's worth mentioning here is that New Hampshire is pretty unique amongst the states because we have a Supreme Court decision that came out in December of 2020, so fairly recent, Uh, It was in a case of a man who was arrested for psilocybin mushrooms, and he was, you know, sentenced to prison for possession of of drugs or whatever, and he appealed that case and said, uh, I'm appealing on the basis that I'm a member of the Oklavoja 
Native American Church, which is a psychedelic church. For those that aren't aren't familiar with it, y'all can look it up. Uh, It's hard to spell, but just look for psychedelic uh, Native American Church, and I'm sure it'll be the first thing that, uh, that comes up. And he's a member of this church. He has a membership card, and he follows the church's... Uh, sort of their prohibitions, you know, you're not allowed to do it, uh, the m- mushrooms in a certain way, like you're not supposed to be out in public. Driving, yeah. You're not supposed to be driving, right? You're supposed to be in a safe place inside your home. And it turns out that the New Hampshire Constitution is actually stronger on religious freedom than even the United States Constitution. And the most important thing to take away from this also unanimous court decision by the new hampshire supreme court not one justice voted against this unanimously they decided that to overturn this man's conviction to free him from uh, from jail and on the basis that he was doing these mushrooms for a religious reason for a spiritual purpose and what they they found was was that the new hampshire constitution not only does it pro- protect your right to religion like the U.S. Constitution, it goes further and it protects your right to worship in the way that you choose. So if the way that you worship God is to do some magic mushrooms as a spiritual practice by the New Hampshire Supreme Court, they're saying that is a completely legal thing to do in the in the state of New Hampshire. So there yep. are not many other decisions like that around the country. In fact, if you look at the Oklahoma Native American Church, they have like a legal page. Uh, there, I don't think there are any other court decisions like that in the United States. Hmm. So that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I loved how Larry said one of the reasons he wanted to start decriminalize nature was because he believes it's his inalienable right to be connected with nature in that way and to use entheogenic uh you know be connected to vegetable gnosis as i love to say um but if somebody doesn't want to hear that like oh that's not your inalienable right they should at least understand that it's part of some people's religion um and they should be allowed to i mean it could be part of anybody's religion once they have had their first experience with it i i hardly see how it couldn't become part of your religious beliefs to I, I need to be allowed to do this and nobody should be threatening me with um, a, jail cell. A, a jail cell for doing this. Absolutely. It is a very spiritual practice and it's a way to honor the earth that we're living on. It's unfortunate that uh, the government probably in all states thinks, I mean, I, we know with the vaccine mandates that the government thinks that they need to have like a already set up church. I mean, to for that to be part of your religion, I think that's unfortunate, but... Yeah, I mean, the government shouldn't be able to decide what is and what is not a church, mm-hmm. and I think that gets into a really sticky area for them when they when they do that, and it, it makes it so they could be challenged, I think, but regardless, uh, let's go to your calls and thoughts here. Jet is on the line calling us from Washington State. You're on Free Talk Live, Jet. Yeah, I want to talk about the... Um Ukrainian-Russian thing, but first I'd like to mention how envious I am of you guys who have found uh, beautiful, intelligent, and eloquently liberally-minded women up there. I don't know how you did it, but um, feel free to start a matchmaker service. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think Bonnie already has one. Yeah, they're already taken. <laughs> well, I know that, but I mean... No, no. I meant uh, relationship advice. Oh, yeah, I give it relationship does. advice on the radio if you ever need it. <laughs> you saying, Jet, that the ladies yeah. should start a matchmaking service? 
Yeah. Uh, or well, here's the thing: if you're a liberty lady, if you're a liberty lady, you basically have your pick of the uh, the guys because there's way more males than there are females up here, and so. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Back to the world of imagination. Yes. So, so the way I see this whole thing is we exist in a world of imagination, illusion, and fantasy. Now, pay attention to this keyword, imagination, Mm -hmm. which is the world which is manipulated by these evil people imagining themselves as kings, presidents, governors, etc. A world of concepts, notions, and methods created in the minds of men, well, mostly men, and implemented as a common way of thinking over time. The example, of course, being time that we reference in years, days, months, that kind of stuff. But it's only really significant if we're at a particular place on Earth. So we have to imagine that we're participating in this common, um, what I call, illusion, delusion, fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, to the fantasy of rulers, I was saying that first, one person or gang has to imagine that they are more important, superior to other humans. I consider that a serious mental disorder. You know, yeah. you're talking about the plant thing. I am. I have asked this question for decades. How it's, you know, explain to me the magic of how certain humans can make God's creation illegal. You know, it's just, um, it's mind-boggling. But most people just can't imagine it. So sticking with the imagination. <laughs> Finally, most most of the people within some imaginary borders have to adopt those same imaginations. Mm-hmm. The imagination that this demonic human has special magical powers that you and I don't have, that they have the right to make rules and make war against those who who disagree or disobey their rules. So here's the meat. Hold that thought, Jet. We're going to continue here with uh, more. He's going to get to the meat, and we're going to share that in moments. Hour number three, by the way, is on the way. Plus, since we're talking about drug decriminalization and drug legalization, uh, Bonnie, you've got a story about a hunger strike that is planned for later this year, apparently, on this issue. Hmm. And we're going to find out more about that on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here. We're launching into the third hour of the program. Phones are open if you want to join the show at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian, Bonnie, and Nikki are here with you tonight. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. And then coming up, a hunger strike. We've been talking about decriminalization of nature, decriminalization of not just cannabis, but other naturally occurring, naturally growing substances. And some people have got it in their heads that a hunger strike is somehow going to help move this issue forward. And that's supposedly coming up later this year. Bonnie's got that story. That's on the way. But we're going to go back to Jet who's on the line with us in Washington State. Jet, you've been pointing out the delusion of the state, the delusion that is required in massive numbers of human beings to allow this concept uh, that is known as the state or the nation state uh, or cities or whatever. These ideas of governments are just mass delusions, and you were trying to uh, build up to a point, I think, uh, before we had to go to the news there. So go ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah, essentially, you know, just like what you said, the, we exist in this world where countries, cities, borders, you know, whatever titles and rules are what I call fictions, the creations of the mind, imaginations. The bad news is that most of the people within those arbitrary and imaginary borders have adopted those same imaginations mm-hmm. that that titles, costumes, badges magically confer a higher level of wisdom and moral superior superiority. So the greatest fantasy I'm saying we need to work hard to dispel really um, is not just what I've told you before, that government does not exist, but that certain humans can give themselves titles and then magically hold greater claim to lives, existence, and purposes of other humans. Um, the dirt, for example, Ukraine has has this dirt. Somebody outlined an area of dirt and grew some buildings inside them. Uh, but then some human, some person or a gang came in and said, you know, we're greater than the rest of you, so we're going to uh, say that this this is our territory and we get to make the rules. So what I'm what I'm getting at is that's the that's the key and the crux to uh, changing the world as we know it is to get people to understand that these things that have separated us, um, uh, invisible lines in the sand, are just that they're illusions they're they're imaginations of our minds and once we overcome that, uh, we can get to a place where we can experience the freedom and liberty that God had intended. So. Um, my my mantra is this. <laughs> i got to say it every time. People with titles who have joined gangs are just other humans mm-hmm. who have no more right to do anything than you or I do. So, Absolutely. It doesn't matter if a bunch of people checked a box on a piece of paper uh, and a, you know, a large number of people are under the delusion uh, that you're talking about. That, none of that matters. These are just other human beings. And I do not recognize their power. I only recognize their willingness to, th- to point a gun at me. Um, and, and so that's that's the education we need to do. Yeah. The other thing is, it's not just that the the imagination isn't just that the people have power, but also that this paperwork written usually hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. gives them that power. I was trying to dispel that myth with my dad today, and he was like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." And I said, "Let me look up the uh, the Lysander Spooner quote, so I don't." give it to you incorrectly because I was kind of like trying to give it to him. Right. I couldn't remember it exactly. And when I read it to him, he was like, that makes a little sense. Which quote? The, the one about the Constitution either having um, provided, having caused, you know, a present situation or was powerless to prevent it. That one? Yep, that one. Um, yeah. the, um, what I tell people is, do you, do you follow your great-great-great-great-grandfather's rules of family? I mean, honestly... Do you? If you don't, then why do you pay attention to other people's great, 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 great grandfathers? Great point. Ideas. Thank you, Jet, for the call tonight. Always appreciate your perspective on things. And, you know, he's absolutely right. If we can get enough people together who believe the same thing, meaning do not fall under the belief that the state exists, the state is good, that the state is somehow beneficial to mankind, that this concept is has benefited us. Uh, if we can get those people together, then we can change the way people see reality. And that's ultimately all that we have to do. And that's one of the reasons why the people who are the statists are so afraid of the Free State Project. 
the Free State NH account over on social media. I, I know they do it on Twitter. I presume they do it elsewhere, but uh, their Twitter account is constantly sharing these status from New Hampshire, many of whom are elected uh, to the, the government gang, and they're constant caterwauling about the Free Staters. They're, they were protesting out in front of Granite State Progress uh, as an organization that was protesting out in front of the State House just this week about how Free Staters are trying to destroy public schools. And it's like, yes, we do want to end government schools, government indoctrination. And yeah, we do want people to know that. And we want them to come here if they are on board with the idea of ending state indoctrination. And just by the way, today at the New Hampshire State House in the full House uh, assembly that they had today, they voted against a, a Democrat bill that would have killed the educational savings accounts program that was started a year or two ago, has been a tremendous success that uh, they basically have gobbled up the full amount of, uh, essentially it's for parents that want to homeschool or uh, or private school their kids and they get a, essentially they get a tax rebate back in order to do that from the state and they can, they're free to spend it on whatever they want without, you know, insane strings apparently attached. Whatever school they want right yeah or or homeschool i have mixed Um, feelings about that but i think there are some from what i've heard from some parents there are some strings attached i've heard that aren't so great like if if something goes wrong with the homeschooling your only option you can't like resend your kid back to like a different public like private school it Mm. would have to be a public school you're sending your kid back to that's just what, what I was told from like, like say, if you, say if you sent your kid or like homeschooling wasn't working out or mm-hmm. like if you sent your kid to one private school yeah. you wouldn't be able to try out a different to, one yeah exactly huh. yeah that should be changed for sure but overall it's it's one of those things that really is a step in the right direction uh, because mandatory, mandatory public school government indoctrination is just ridiculous speaking of uh, would you follow your great-great-grandfather's house rules? Public school started as a conversation in Massachusetts by a man who was racist and saying, oh, we have all these um, Irish immigrants and mm. they're too stupid to educate their own children. If they educate their own children, society's going to collapse it because they're so stupid and they won't know how to read and all this stuff. We need to educate everyone's children. That's how public school started. A lot of people don't know that. Didn't they want to take them out of Catholic schools and put them into um, these government schools instead? It's probably another one, but that definitely the the guy who's called like the father of public mm. school is from Massachusetts, like Boston. Area. I think it was a like a religious thing. Specifically. Well, he started off saying these stupid Irish people mm-hmm. can't who are likely Catholics. Yeah. Right? Well, either way, yeah. he was saying they can't homeschool their own kids because they'll grow up not being able to read and they'll be horrible parts of society. Mm. So it was racism. I also think it's really ironic that the statists are saying that free staters are the people that are ruining public schools when public schools are just garbage. I mean, what they are teaching kids in public schools right now is just... Well, when they say ruining, they mean defunding and allowing parents to escape from the public schools. The kids I know that are homeschooled or, you know, some of the children I know that go to private schools, they are so much smarter, substantially oh, yeah. smarter than any child. And I don't want to be mean to, to children. You know, I don't want to seem like that. But you can tell, like, these kids that are homeschooled are very, very intelligent. And they are, you know, in public schooling, kids are only as smart as the weakest link, right? So, mm-hmm. So they can't live up to their full potential and they can't learn everything there is for them to learn. Because they always have to be, you know, 
even and you have to, you know, wait for the the not as smart kids to to keep up. Sure. So it's lowest common denominator. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, by the way, another thing that happened, I think today or this week, was a little town called Croydon, where there's a number of free staters living. A free stater put forward a proposal to cut the school budget by fifty percent, and it passed. Wow, I didn't know that. And cool. the status are flipping out wow. over this. So again, it's all about numbers. The more people that we can get here that actually want to see freedom, the more likely that that's going to happen in our lifetime. There's more coming up. Free talk live. Free talk live. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Whether it's decriminalizing nature or the insane, constant crackdown on the poor, innocent people of Russia, which is what we were talking about in the first hour of the show, whatever's on your mind as well, you can bring up anything here at 603-283-6160. Coming up, we are almost... Three months away now from the beginning of ForkFest 2022. It is the sixth annual ForkFest, which is a decentralized libertarian camping festival happening in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire at Rogers Campground, June 27th through July 3rd. Go ahead and mark your calendar and then start making plans to come on up and hang out with other freedom-loving activists here in the Shire. It's a great excuse to come up, check out New Hampshire Get a feel for the the, uh, the community up here. And uh, also, don't forget, it's the week after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is a much larger freedom festival that happens also at Rogers Campground the week prior to Fork Fest. That one is almost sold out. Last I heard was over a week ago. It was at 94% sold out. So if you're not yet, if you have not yet gotten your tickets to the Porcupine Freedom Festival and you want to attend what is probably the largest freedom festival on the planet at this point, you definitely want to check that one out. Forkfest, a little more laid back, not as many uh, people attending, but definitely a different feel. Also, way more open. There's no ticket price. All you have to do is get your RV site, your campsite, or your motel room with Rogers Campground June 27th through July 3rd. And you don't have to stay for the whole week. You stay for just the weekend or come in early, whatever you want to do, however you want to uh, divvy it up. But we're planning on being there. Free Talk Live is expecting to attend both the Porcupine Freedom Festival and uh, the Forkfest. You can go to forkfest.party and learn more about the event. That's forkfest.party as we go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Tom. Yeah, just the uh, interesting item on the news there. Uh, in Rockland County, New York, a 17-year-old uh, person on April 24, 2021, uh, admitted he was uh, drinking before he got behind the wheel and smoking marijuana. Uh, they say he was driving about 70 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone on Route 202 in Montebello, New York. He crashed and killed 16-year-old Jacqueline Zangrilli. She was pronounced dead at the scene. He gets uh, six months in jail and five years of probation for driving drunk and killing somebody. Was he a cop? No. No. Uh, See... Uh, they don't want to get drunk drivers off the road. They just hate everybody under 21. See, they mm. they, they would rather mete out the punishment to innocent people under 21 who drink alcohol responsibly. Mm. And so, uh, see, that's uh, why you got so much drunk driving going on. Uh, that and some other reasons, you know, the uh, forced 
you know, it's, they call it the love affair with the automobile, but for a lot of people, it's a shotgun wedding, the way the government works, uh, preventing people from being able to walk. But uh, getting back to what uh, a guest uh, a caller earlier was talking about, the illusion that there's such a thing as a state and uh, that it uh, gets authority from pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. I brought up before, uh, a long time ago, an item in the how Article 4 of the Constitution speaks of uh, full faith and credit shall be given to, in each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state. Well, in the first iteration, in each state is regarding a geographic area, and the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state, uh, in that case, the uh, state is a bureaucracy, and they're the, using them as if they are the same thing. Other state means... Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. The word state is used in a variety of different ways, and it makes things very, very confusing to the end user. Are we talking about a piece of property here with trees and you know lakes, or are we talking about a criminal organization that uses violence against people. Thank you for the call tonight, Tom. The number here for you is 603-283-6160. Let's go to Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Sarah. Oh, yes. Um, I was watching a TV show, and wasn't it true, like, about about 15 years ago, or all the billionaire capitalists, um, the oil guy and... They got put in jail and got thrown out of Russia. No. The billionaire guy got put in jail and thrown out of Russia. I don't know what you're referring to. Are we talking about a Russian billionaire? Did you just say capitalist was in Russia? Why wouldn't they kill him? <laughs> well, him the, right their... now, well, they're exiled. One in one, the construction guy is lives in England, and the other one was an oil guy. He lives. Are you saying that in the Germany construction guy and the oil guy are ex- are Russian exiles? Right, that's correct right now. But I think they were in jail. And I remember hearing about them. The, I don't know, they were having a discussion, and then they, they were not following the Russian rules at that time. Mm-hmm. They were sentenced to jail. And but they escaped. The only thing... Okay. And he was in a newspaper, I think maybe 15, 20 years ago. So, but it was a, it was an oil company guy. What are you trying to say? Oil. I'm not real clear on what you're what you're getting. Well, at. you know, my whole point is that at that time Russia was communist because communism does not like billionaire capitalists, and they would jail and throw them out and exile. They're lucky that they did not kill them and have a bullet in them. Um, you know, so that at that Which time, you would have supported, then, right? But, you would have supported executing these men. She did say that before that she supports uh, executing capitalists. Yeah, I just wanted her to say it again. Go ahead. No, the thing is, I really do not. I'd rather their life be spared. But oh, during the nice revolution, they do wind up getting executed. You know, because they they are hoardish and they don't they don't like to share, so they wind up getting shot. Which I'm I'm actually I'm opposed. And I think okay, well, that's nice of you. You've changed your position because before you were saying you support killing people if they don't go along with communism. Well, you support putting them in a jail cell if they won't, as you say, share. Correct, Sarah? For the rest of their lives? Um. Yeah, so the, I think that the, from the way that I understand it, it's like, so they he had to give up his money and give it to the state. 
and they turn it around and they say that Putin took his money for his interest and put it in his bag, which is a lie, as far as I'm concerned. You know that's not sharing, right? I just want to clarify. Sharing is a voluntary action on behalf of a human being to try to help others, and it is a, an action taken through choice. What you're talking about is having literally a gun put to your head, the threat of violence, the threat of being thrown into a jail cell if you do not give all of your resources to the state. And that's you're OK with that. Well, I mean, I, I am OK uh, because it's communism. It, it is. So long as you put the, the wealth- as long as you put Sarah's name on it, uh, this communism label, then it's totally fine to threaten people with violence and throw them in jail cells because, okay, she says she's against killing them, but the reality is the Russian gulags killed millions of people. So they weren't sent there, quote-unquote, to be killed. Like, it wasn't a death sentence, but it basically was a death sentence because you're sending fragile human beings to Siberia or wherever in other places where it was freezing cold out and telling them to go out and work in the cold for 16 hours a day. With no shoes. With no shoes in a lot of cases and no water and... Surprise, a lot of people perished. Uh, Thanks for the call tonight, Sarah. That's what she wants to go back to, though. Uh, There's more coming up here. 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. The number, if you want to join the show here, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. And don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. We do have feeds that allow you to access Free Talk Live's episodes in your favorite podcast client, you just go to feeds.freetalklive.com. You'll find some RSS feeds there. One of them is the full feed, which has the full shows of Free Talk Live plus the Daily Digest. And then there's two other feeds. One is Daily Digest only and full shows only. So you can subscribe to whichever one works best for you. And also in the full feed, every now and then you'll get something else like I just posted today, the interview that was done with me uh, Michael Harrison, the publisher of Talkers Magazine, had me on his show, which is a huge honor to be able to speak with. I mean, I've, I've talked to him at conventions and everything, but to actually be on his show was a big deal. So he interviewed me for over an hour. What a radio voice. Oh, you you were listening to some of it, yeah. Yeah, I heard some of it this this morning. Yeah, he goes way back. You know, he's, he was a music programmer for years and then got into the talk business and then created Talkers Magazine back in 1990 or something like that. And so I finally was on his show, which was pretty awesome. So I shared that. That's in our full feed as well. So you want to get the uh, feeds for Free Talk Live, just head over to feeds.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. The Law Dog is first up here listening in Jackson, Michigan to WKHM. Law Dog? Hello, Ian. Hey, you're on the air. Thank you, Ian. Uh, good evening. Good evening, ladies. Um, uh State court. You've got to remove the state uh, case from state court, especially in a debt collection. You have those bottom-feeded debt collectors that are third-party. Uh, this is a this is federal jurisdiction. It's right there in the contract. It's called interstate commerce. So what you got to do within 30 days of after getting uh, uh, getting the summons is you have to remove that case to federal court. Uh, uh, remove the case to federal court. Uh, 
Ah, we're kind of losing your cell phone signal there, yeah, Law Dog. Yeah, stay up by your phone. I don't know uh, where you're at, if you're in a house Just or... Just a second here. Let me, let me get out here and... Uh, uh, is this better? That's better. That's better. Yeah, so you're saying this is in regard... You're you're suggesting that somebody move a case from state court to federal court if it is for regarding a debt? Yeah, yeah, it's federal jurisdiction and the contract that you sign or the card member agreement. It's, it's federal jurisdiction because it's interstate commerce. So if they take you to court, what you got to do is uh, go to court within 30 days. You have to file a form that's called um, uh, is 28. Uh, Shouldn't you just pay uh, your US- debts instead of you know going to court and fighting? Well, well, no, that's not the thing. The, the, these guys like Uni, uh, Unifraud or Unifund, they um, uh. They they come up with false contracts. They come up with they 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 buy this uh, um, they buy expired debt. It's called zombie debt, and they try to hang you with it. Okay, give me an so example of what that means. I mean, I'm somebody who has gone through my life trying to avoid being in debt, just because I think it's a really terrible idea. Um, give me an example of what a zombie debt is. Zombie debt was uh, where these um, collection agencies go in. Uh, and and buy debt for three cents on a dollar. Mm-hmm. That's uh, where the statutes of limitation expire, expired. And here in Michigan, it's six years. So they go in there and they uh, they package it up and they try to sell it to these judges. Mm-hmm. And they'll uh, they'll put uh, fraudulent contracts in, and uh, it, it's just some ugly stuff. And uh, hmm. you, you can't beat them because the they uh, uh, they give money they donate to the judges re-election campaign if you know uh, what i mean okay so you're saying so what that they're doing is getting it changed ahead, to, getting it changed to federal court would help you in what way oh that way you can take them to arbitration say if you owe five thousand dollars on a debt they're not going to come after you if it's going to cost them a, a garden variety um arbitration is forty thousand dollars and they have to pay for it the business has to pay for it hmm. and these um Third-party debt collectors are called junk debt buyers. They buy that debt for three cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not going to pay. Uh, you know, like a five thousand dollar debt, they bought it for one hundred and fifty bucks. They're not going to pay forty thousand dollars to try to collect uh, five thousand dollars from you. Okay, so what happens if you go to federal court and you somehow pull the case over there? Then what? What? Will happens they drop to- it because they don't want to pay that much money? Or they looking to settle or what? Oh, uh, what you do is you bring all your documents, like the one I had. Uh, they had a fraudulent contract, but what I did is I did a paper, I, I did a uh, paper blitz, one of those blizzards, a paper blizzard with the the judge, and and he was, uh, you, you know, he he was nasty to me. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I slipped the um, uh, an affidavit t- saying that I had the correct contract in on a motion. And see, what happens is those judges, they don't listen to you. Those judges don't take a look at um, uh, the, the paperwork that you submit. You're saying pleading. the state judges don't listen? Yeah. But you they, believe the federal they're, judges they're do? Off. They're, they're bought off. They're mm-hmm. rubber-stamping wallabies mm-hmm. for these third-party junk debt collectors. Mm-hmm. So you got a judge to sign something saying that you didn't have to pay the bills because he wasn't looking at what he signed? Is that what you're I, saying? 
I, th- I think I've heard of this before. Someone once told me that they had student loans mm-hmm. and their student loan, whatever company, got purchased by one of these third party loan collectors that he's talking about. Yeah. So she was getting taken to court because she owed this money on her student loans, which she was just making regular payments on. But mm-hmm. because of the, the third party, whatever loan collectors that purchased it, it turned into a problem and they were taking her to court. So I, I've heard of this sort of thing happening before. Okay, so Law Dog, it sounds like you're really knowledgeable on this subject. The average person obviously is not. So how do they go? Is you know, is there an easy resource to go and learn about how to move a case from uh, state to federal court? I mean, what is what? How do you do that? I, I don't this. want to get into the details here, but if, is there Google some, this? Yeah, removal from state court to federal court. That's all they do. It's all online. It's uh. You know, it's all there. What you got, the lawyer, you got the lawyers who want to take your case, but mm-hmm. they're giving you the information that you need to know. And you're saying, now, do it pro only, se, don't hire an attorney. You can you can handle this yourself. You can handle this yourself. All you have to do is, remand it to, uh, is remove it to Fed and um, uh, check the box that says on your civil uh, um, uh, cover sheet, your civil cover sheet for... Uh, federal courts you just mark arbitration and those guys will run away like scalded dogs and the student loans what you want to do with student loans don't do a student loans kids run it up on your credit card hit your credit card because you do a student loan that's like herpes that is forever well okay? I, don't, I don't know you if i would advise anybody to I, I get what you're saying you're saying student loans cannot be gotten rid of in bankruptcy and a credit card uh, charge can i just don't i don't you know i wouldn't give people the advice of getting into debt unnecessarily at all it's and a horrible then, idea and then trying to run oh, on it oh, I wait mean, a second wait a second this is not legal advice you know right okay this good. is not legal advice well, i uh you know I, I i stayed at a holiday Inn express and watched uh perry mason reruns all night but just google federal um, Google right. removal of Law Dog, state thank you for federal. the call tonight. I appreciate it. I, I just, you know, I'm of the belief that if you get into debt, you should pay your debts. I think that yeah. if you've created an obligation upon yourself, you ought to, you know, give it your best shot to, to pay that off. And I think it's on the topic of putting classes on your credit card versus mm-hmm. taking out student loans. One, credit cards have higher rates, right. so that's kind of a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And you can't just get rid of credit card debt. I mean, you can file for bankruptcy. That's what he's saying, is file for bankruptcy. But that's a horrible idea. It is a horrible idea. Or you idea. could just work and pay for your classes if you want to go to school. Or just don't go to school. Or, yeah, or don't terrible. go to school. <laughs> generally, thank you for the call, Law Dog. It's generally a terrible idea to go to school. It's but a huge it, waste. I think his main point here was debt that's already been, like, like he said, the window has passed for mm-hmm. it to be paid. Um, and then these people can buy it for cheap and try to and bring you, you to court over it I don't know I, I I don't necessarily think those people deserve your debt I don't know they paid less than you borrowed on it and they're trying well, to take normally it to court, if they're paying less than what court. it was worth and they're willing to settle for way less than what it was yeah. originally worth so you can actually probably pay that off really cheap uh, but the best the best idea is to just not get into debt in the first place try to avoid that stuff I wouldn't get into that there's more those... coming up It's Free Talk Live. Phones open. If you want to join the show, you can do that here at 603-283-6160. Whether it's talking about debt collection or the crackdown on the Russian people by various different corporations. We've talked about a lot tonight. 
and uh, decriminalized nature as well. Uh, it's Ian, Bonnie, and Nikki here in the studio again, 603-283-6160. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got archives that go back for many years. They're all free at freetalklive.com. We go back to the phones, to your calls and thoughts. We've got Perry calling us, listening to K-Talks. Uh, their station's based in Arizona, but he's in California tuning in. Go ahead, Perry. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh First of all, I want to say our government is way too big. It's mm. been too big for too long, and there's too many agencies. We could we could start helping to lower the debt if we were to get rid of a lot of our government. But but they don't talk about it. I don't ever hear anybody talk about it. But anyway, no, it'll never happen. I mean, the, the Republicans and well, the Democrats. I mean, it doesn't matter who you elect. They're going to keep on cranking at the debt. They're going to keep printing money uh, like it's going out of style. They're going to keep going to war. Because that's what that's what uh, helps their friends and punishes their enemies, and that's what the state's all about. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right. The only way out and, is uh, to get out, is to is to secede uh, from the United States. Get out before the entire thing implodes upon itself, because it will not last forever. Well, term limits is something that um, uh, I think what they should do is say, okay, we'll vote for it. But we get to stay in, you know, until they pass away or whatever. But then the, the new ones come in. That way they'll vote for it. Otherwise, they will mm. never do it. But if they do it that way, it'll work, I think. But mm. I want to mention something before I, uh, I hang up. Yeah. Um, climate change uh, hoax. Uh, that, that was started, I believe, by our adversaries around the world. They wanted to get us to go against our own energy in order to ruin our military and ruin America and get our prices up high, you know, gas prices. They, they wanted to destroy it from the end. See, see, Gorbachev even said to Reagan that he would take over America without firing a shot. Well, uh, basically, this is one of the ways of, of many, of course. They've got other, uh, I mean, they got the, the uh, divide and conquer with the races. You know, they're trying mm-hmm. to get us all, and that would destroy America, too, you know, of course. Because uh, all Americans, I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're Mexican, Chinese, we're all American. We, we all love this country. We all really, most of us want lower taxes. Yeah, I don't uh, love this country. I'm not American. Be, most yeah, people, they, they, they want the Constitution. They want the Constitution, though, what I'm saying. They want the yeah, Constitution. Yeah, but it's never going to happen. I, I mean, don't want the Constitution. I was well, just no, having no, this can, conversation no, with it my can, dad. It can only happen if we get ourselves educated and organized. No, and it doesn't matter. You can organize all you want to. I, and people I think, have been but, trying this for 200 years to downsize the government to get it to where we're only listening to what the Constitution says. And as I had to explain to my dad, the Constitution that we have today has either authorized the tyranny that we have or it was powerless to prevent it. Either way, it's unfit to exist. Lysander Spooner. And when I said that to my dad, he said, okay, that kind of well, makes sense. I, I, res- I respectfully disagree with you 100%. Well, I, th- I think there's a lot of Americans that love their guns, that love freedom, that love the uh, Constitution, lo- love everything about this country. Well, I'm just telling you, there's too many that love this place, and they're gonna they're gonna st- keep standing for the right, to, like I said, to own guns. I mean, I'm talking about honest citizens but here. I'm not I'm gu- talking about. Do you understand uh, that the Constitution doesn't give but, you the right to own guns? That you have the right to protect yourself, and the Constitution is supposed to just protect it, but it isn't protecting us. Now we have the ATF, which isn't even constitutional. They're going to people's houses and putting them in jail, and uh, going through their things and telling them they're not allowed to have fuel filters and putting them in jail because they are just ha- own things that they want to use to protect themselves. Yeah, how are you going well, to get Well, I, of- I think part of the problem, okay, I think part of the problem is that the younger generation, because of the school, you know, government schools they went to, they've been dumbed down, indoctrinated, and brainwashed, 
And they're, they're, they're the ones that are coming out of this, coming up with these ideas of uh, either bigger government or, 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 or uh, climate yeah, change. Yeah, but the ATF or, was founded uh, in 1960. Hold on, Perry. That, uh, Perry. The, Bonnie just po- pointed out the fact the ATF is clearly unconstitutional. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, they added explosives at some point. Uh, but they were founded in 1961. You can't blame the existence of the ATF on the younger generations. No, but they're they're creating more of that, that type of But stuff how are you going to get rid of it? Well, you got, well the Libertarian Party, I, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting them. I, they're not going to do it. I've, my cousin, when has a libertarian uh, ever been the, elected? Started the Libertarian Party in Nevada. My cousin, Perry. he passed away now. But. Perry, when has a libertarian ever been elected to a national office? Uh, well, what are you talking about? Rand Paul is a libertarian. Rand Paul is not a libertarian. If you ask yeah, him that, he'll me. tell you he's not a libertarian. When has a libertarian party member been elected to national office? Have they? Well, no. no uh, never. It's never happened. And why do you think it's it, all of a sudden going to happen? Eventually, How many more hundreds of years themselves. do we need? Well, if you stay dumbed down and, and, you, and you go along with this big government telling you how to live your life. and, and the, Do you the think we do that? How to, what the, I'm under well, federal right indictment now, right now. I'm facing the rest of my life in prison because I don't like to do what I'm told. So are you trying to say that on this show that we just are dumbed down? Well, I hope people are listening on this show that can help you too. Maybe there's attorneys out there that are listening. Well, we've got attorneys, okay? So we've got we've yeah. got that taken care of. But I, my yeah. point is, we're not dumbed down. And and thank you, Perry, for the the call tonight here. Uh, in fact, we're we're wide awake. We understand that there's nothing that you can do to make the federal government any better, and there never has been. Okay, it doesn't matter who you elect. You can elect Republicans, you can elect Democrats. The libertarians, of course, can't even get on the ballot in a lot of cases, so they have no chance. I of... think the Libertarian Party is just, just the National Libertarian Party is just controlled opposition. I think there's a strong argument for that. I understand that the the Mises Caucus wants to try to take it back this year, but they've been, you know, the, there have been people struggling over power in the Libertarian Party forever. It's a joke. So I wish them the best, but I still don't expect that anything's going to change, even if they do. Uh, get it taken back over but look the national uh focus is is pointless and that's why libertarians who want to make a difference are moving to new hampshire because here we're actually a political strength here the status hate the fact that we're here because we're making a difference we're getting uh, libertarian types elected as republicans some as even democrats here in new hampshire and we've got free staters as they're called in the state house we're winning Various different political issues here because we actually have thousands of uh, free-minded, liberty-minded people that have moved here and thousands more are on their way. So if you want to stop treading water, if you want to stop banging your head up against this brick wall in D.C., then you need to, you know, you need to change your strategy. Uh, You've touched on this, Bonnie. The people have been trying what that caller was talking about Primary for people, years. voting for the right people. That's yeah. what my dad was saying today. He was mm-hmm. saying, no, we can fix this. God. And I said, but the gov- federal government has done nothing but get bigger and bigger in my lifetime. And the whole time you've been voting to uh, for the small, quote unquote, small party ca- or small, uh, small government. government candidates. And it does- hasn't done anything. Well, and the truth is the system is not broken. Everybody talks about fixing mm-hmm. the system. It is running exactly as it was designed to run. Yes. To indoctrinate the people into the belief in all of this pointless, uh, you know, water treading. Like that it's somehow going at the same stupid approach that has never worked in the past is all of a sudden going to work this time around. 
and it's pure fantasy, and there's nothing backing it up, and go ahead and look at when the Republicans were in charge, because the Republicans market themselves as being pro-liberty. As soon as the Democrats get in office, all the Republicans start talking about freedom. Like Ted Cruz, all of a sudden he's this freedom-loving guy, right? Yeah. Oh, he loves Bitcoin now. Now he cares about your finances. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, yeah, that guy hasn't done jack diddly to make more freedom, and nor, nor have the Republicans when they've been in charge. And they have been in charge. Remember during the Bush Ted administration? Ted Cruz is Republican, right? Uh, yeah. He's the guy yeah. that when it snowed in Texas and everybody was in, you know, peril because it snowed in Texas, he, yeah, he flew to Mexico on vacation. <laughs> I mean, can't blame him for it. It's warmer there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these people are, are terrible and they don't do anything for freedom. I think it was during Trump, the Trump, uh, Republicans were in charge for a little bit. And definitely during Bush, the Republicans were in charge and the government got bigger. The government became a larger part of our lives, taking more money, taking more obedience. TSA, Department of Homeland Security, all these things were created under a Republican you know, control. And I think the Constitution thumping really comes from the fact that some people are uneducated and need to wake up to the fact that the Constitution doesn't give us rights. Mm -hmm. We have rights because we're humans. And then the Constitution was supposed to protect them, but it failed. It failed. Let's go to Major Payne. Uh, last thoughts here. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. First off, Ian, I agree with you as far as debt goes. Uh, I owe no man anything except my respect, which mm -hmm. I can rescind at any time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything else? Um, Miss Moonbeam, Miss Bonnie, good evening. Hello. <laughs> um, are you Miss Moonbeam? Yeah. Nikki? Okay. I got renamed on Sunday. <laughs> okay. That's cute. Yes, Nikki Moonbeam. She only shines at night. Oh. But I know that's uh, a nice thing to say. Or well, they, they 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 tried to name her Nikki Moonshine. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, Moonbeam is much nicer than uh, <laughs> Nikki Moonshine. Thank you, Major Payne, for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. If you didn't get in, Tonight, well, we're back tomorrow night. You can join us then. Well, let's talk about the hunger strike tomorrow because we didn't oh, yeah. get to it. Uh, and it's a pretty, pretty wild story like, about another approach that's not going to work mm -hmm. to try to change the federal government. Uh, tomorrow night, join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.